Hi, this is Mario Andretti. Mark Blundell. Mark Priestley. Claire Cottingham. Ben Edwards. Jamie Chadwick. Mark Gallagher. Freddie Hunt. Bobby Eaton. Craig Scarborough. Alex Brundle. You're listening to... And you're listening to... You're listening to... Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1. Everything F1 podcast. Driven. Driven. Driven, driven by fans. For fans. Hello and welcome to the Everything F1 podcast with me, James Tiller. Now, alongside me from the Everything F1 team today, we do have Coops. Hi, Coops. How are you? Hello. I'm all right. A bit warm, but I'm all right. A bit warm? Yeah, it's it's like almost 20 degrees here. And for a ginger, that's not good news. In Scotland, 20 degrees. That must be like peak summertime. Oh, yeah. You're talking <laughs> to a guy who gets sunburnt when they open the fridge. So, you know. <laughs> Well, good. Good to see you here. We've also got Oscar from our team. How are you doing, Oscar? Yeah, very well. Thank you, James. How are you today? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. I think I'm just just about recovered from a weekend full of motorsport with the Monaco Grand Prix and the Indy 500 in, in kind of one full kind of weekend. It was it was madness. How about yourself? Yeah, yeah, very well. Similar to you. Enjoyed the, the weekend's motorsport. I think a very interesting Monaco GP, a bit of a, a race of two halves, really. So kind of wait for, for Catalonia, of course, the testing home, which we get to see the cars flex their muscles. We've also got a guest with us today. Formula Access is Ryan Hunt. Hi, Ryan. How are you? I'm good. I'm good, man. Thanks for having me. You took my move. You went on LinkedIn. You sent me a message and I was like, oh, I got to do it. I got to do it. <laughs> Although you are messing me up with the whole temperature thing, because 20 degrees here in the US, nothing. It's yeah. like ice cold. <laughs> it's 20 degrees Celsius. Yes, uh, yes. I'll, no, I, I know. I know. I'll need to find out what the conversion is, but uh, it's not that Very warm, cold. but for us, it's, it's warm. Yeah. <laughs> we are today going to preview, obviously, the Spanish Grand Prix, and we're also going to talk about any news that's dropped over the last couple of days. And then we'll chat to Ryan at the end. Do you want to? quickly give us kind of a brief overview of who you are and what you do, Ryan. I'm the host, founder, whatever you want to call it, of Formula Access. And, you know, the the just the brief origin story of the show is, you know, I started a blog on Quora in 2021 mm-hmm. and it, it took off and I wrote on the business of Formula One. If I were in their shoes or I was in this particular situation, what would that mean? Or, you know, just kind of educating the audience on that. It's I, it's not my day job. So last year in September, uh, I turned it into a podcast. So kind of migrating an audience from written form to video form. Mm-hmm. I didn't have enough time and podcasting is way easier. Uh, it takes a <laughs> lot less time. I have a whole marketing team with my wife's company who kind of handles all the the effort behind that. Again, it takes time off my hands, but mm. we just, we bring the people of motorsport to, to the audience and that kind of the emphasis of that was, was around drive to survive. They do a really good job of bringing the drivers and the team principals to fans. And, you know, I just kind of saw a, a need where there were a thousand people at every other team that, you know, had just as cool of a story and just as kind of interesting of a job to educate the audience on, you know, what does an aerodynamicist do? What does, you know, what does the sponsorship person do? What is, what is an activation, you know, and, and just really kind of entering that world and and bringing those people to the doorstep and it's, it's done well. Yeah. I've, I've seen a lot of it kind of popping up in my feet. So I, I'm, I'm impressed with what you do. I love some of the Appreciate interviews that. you've had and, you know, it's good to, good to get, you know, make the contact with you anyway. And thank you for coming on the show. 
we are everything everyone you can find us on all our social platforms we're on facebook twitter instagram youtube and tiktok you can also find us on our website www.everythingf1.com where you'll find news articles on a daily basis just breaking down all the latest from around the f1 world and the wider motorsport community too we would also love it if you were to hit subscribe on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop and if you want to you can also give us a five-star review. <laughs> it can never do harm giving us a five-star review. And if you do so, we'll give you a shout-out on a later show too. Now, we do have a sponsor. Our sponsor is theraceworks.com, and they provide merchandise for all of the F1 teams across the grid, and you can get a discount on their site using the code EF1 at checkout. That'll be a 10% discount, and you can get on their sale items if you wish, Red Bull merch on some of the latest McLaren merchandise from the new livery that they brought to Monaco that they're still going to be racing also in Spain too. So they've got caps with that livery on. That's absolutely gorgeous. One of my favorites. So I think I'll be ordering myself one of those too. But yeah, give them a look. Uh, theraceworks.com using the code EF1 at checkout for 10% off. Okay, so we're going to delve into the preview for the race in Spain at the Circuit de Barcelona in Catalonia. Now, this circuit itself is it's 4.657 kilometers. We're going to have 66 laps, which means the total race distance is 307.236 kilometers. Now, it's a new layout, isn't it, Coops? Is that right? Is it a new layout for this year or, yes. or a new layout for last year? I can't remember it's now. The, the, they've removed the final chicane. So That's correct. As you come, you used to come in near the end of the lab and it's a, a right left to go onto the sweeping right hand or onto the main street. So that right left is gone. Mm-hmm. Which, if memory serves me, and I'll need to check this, I'm sure they did it way back before in Formula One, and then they brought the chicane in because, you know, speeds and safety and things. Right. Uh, but they've decided to take that out, which should reduce the lap time by around seven and a half to eight seconds a lap. Oh, okay. So That's we're going to have... Yeah, yeah. A definite new record then for the circuit, but it's because it's a new a new layout entirely. Well, it'll be a new layout, yeah. That's why there's no lap record because it's brand new. And then they also, I think what you're confused with was, was it last year, the year before, they reprofiled one of the corners kind of in the mid sector coming into the, the final sector. So they've yeah. reprofiled that, which was going back again to an older layout. So they've kind of done a wee bit of rejigging. Mm. Fortunately, unlike Monaco, Spain noticed that they're, and again, like Albert Park noticed, they weren't getting a lot of on track passing. So mm. they were able to then rejig. Like Monaco, they've got space, I guess. That's that's well, one that's, of the benefits the of being yeah. an actual circuit and, and whatnot. So yeah. So so yeah, so that, that that's the that's the reason. I'm assuming it's to allow a bit more passing coming into the first corner, mm. allow a bit more draft and going down that, because that's that's going to be a lot faster. You're going to reach, you know, top speed a lot sooner and into the, the breaking zone for the, the kind of tight right left first couple of corners. So very nice. Let's see how that works. Let's get your opinion on the the circuit itself and and kind of historic races. Then we'll go to Ryan, our guest first. Are you a, a a Barcelona fan? Are you a fan of the Spanish Grand Prix? I I race on the sim with my son, and that is actually a, quite a challenging circuit for me. Mm-hmm. I don't know why. So I think in that regards, it's always been kind of one of those tracks that I've not been terribly excited for. However, I would say it would be a great moment for Alonso to take his first win at his home track with Aston Martin mm-hmm. in Spain. Yeah. I don't know if the track is suited for that, for that car, but interested for your opinions on that. I'm not really a technical guy, but yeah, it well, it's, it's 
definitely a romantic thought to to kind of see him win his home Grand Prix. Absolutely. It'd be good to see. It'd be good to see someone else on that top step other than, you know, a Red Bull, Max Verstappen, just to mix it up a bit. Oscar, are you a fan of the Spanish Grand Prix? I mean, his, historically, I must admit, to be brutally honest, no, because it, it's quite a narrow track. It doesn't really encourage overtaking as much as some others do and as the cars have got wider in recent years it's no surprise that's resulted in less overtaking despite the the long straight but yeah i think one interesting aspect which will be quite interesting for us fans to see this year is of course that there's been no Barcelona testing. Uh, they only tested in Bahrain this year. I think it was three days they did, which means it's unproven territory. Usually Barcelona is a track we all know very well. The teams know inside and out and have driven many race distances even before we get to the race, you know, on the actual F1 calendar. It's yeah. different this year. They're going in blind and I hope that's going to lead to a bit more unpredictability in the field. Yeah, fingers crossed. And we're bringing, obviously, we had the upgrades at Monaco, but Monaco isn't a great place for people to test out their upgrades, is, is it, Coops? Obviously, Mercedes being the the kind of the, the biggest team with the biggest amount of upgrades. Are we going to see a resurgent Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes coming through the field and, and you know, and, and getting higher up uh, in the points or maybe even on a podium because of their upgrades? Well, podium, maybe. Ferrari aren't exactly... Cutting out, cutting away from the field and sitting behind Red Bull, you know, they're kind of languishing a wee bit and strategy calls could always throw some issues in the way for them. But it will be interesting to see exactly what the Mercedes upgrades do. As you say, Monaco, they were kind of put into a situation where they didn't have a choice, I don't think. You know, they brought the upgrades for Imola. Imola didn't mm. happen, so you've already got them. Just put them on. I mean, I think, I think the only chance you have there is if one of the drivers absolutely totals your car and you've no kind of spare parts and you're having to revert and you yeah. know there's issues like that and it's maybe not as bad if it's fly away because you could maybe phone up the factory and say right we're just gonna have to spend a bit more of the budget get them over you know mm. uh, but yeah it will be interesting this will give us a better reflection of exactly what they've done because i think from rumor has it is quite a high percentage of the car they've changed i mean we've seen the change in the profile around the the, the side pods and stuff but as we all know, with these new ground effect cars, a lot of the changes you, we don't see. It's all under underneath with Venturi tunnels. Well, they, and... We did see them at Monaco yes. due to obviously a few incidents that they had over kind of the course of free practice and qualifying. It's I did same. know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What I did notice though is it's not as detailed as Red Bulls. Red Bulls was very detailed. There were so many vine, vines, veins, whatever yeah. you call them, p- p- pointing air in in certain different directions compared to the Mercedes and the Ferrari that was was seen up in the air. You know, it was too contrasting completely. Uh, but the, the, the thing under- I think what you, we need to understand with that is Mercedes are coming in with a newer concept compared to previous the previous concept. The Red mm. Bull have just evolved the previous concept, which we all know from last year was the best car and still is. And all they've done is evolve that. And also the other side of it is nobody has Adrian Newey but Red Bull. So, <laughs> you know, that's adding two or three tenths a lap to your car minimum. So Yeah, but even he was out with his notepad making, you know, looking at the pictures, <laughs> kind of saying, oh, are they doing that right? Is that something that they've spotted that I haven't spotted? Can I use that on my car? You know. I don't think so. I think he's looking at that going, really? Yeah. <laughs> is, that, is that that? All right, okay. <laughs> 
there are some, I mean, I'm, there are I'm some phenomenal some designers in it. Yeah, there are phenomenal designers other than Adrian Newey on the grid, and I'm sure, I'm sure there's some things that he could even even he could learn from them anyway. And um, what about you, Ryan? Are you are you hopeful that Mercedes will be bringing it to Red Bull? Just even if it's just for the show, really, rather than for them to win. Yeah, you know, I. I, I've grown quite fond of Mercedes over the last year. I, I their team is just impeccable. I think from a personnel standpoint, mm. and you know they have a team of of fighters. I don't think they've given up, and I don't think they ever give up, which is which is kind of admirable. I I, I will agree with you though. I, I I think that the the detail and the you know just the the amount of detail on the bottom of the Red Bull and and I. They somebody compared it to another car as well. Mm. I think it was the underside of the Ferrari as well, was just way more elaborate compared to Mercedes. And and you know, that's probably you know, Coop's Coop's point is that's new. You got to start somewhere and and figure it out. I I I like a fighter Lewis, like an, an underdog Lewis. Mm. I've just like I've been enamored by the Russell story. I don't I don't think their car is gonna challenge Red Bull this season. I'd like to hope that I'd like to see that I wish for that. I just, I don't think you can develop that fast with, with the current capital restraints. No, absolutely. I don't think that they can come out, you know, fighting for the front myself personally. I'd like to see it happen because I want to see somebody topple Red Bull, at least in a few of the races this year, because <laughs> they're just, it's just, I think they're going to wrap up the the season by the, you know, the, the mid race. That would be upsetting as as a, of, of motor racing to, to see them wrap it up too soon but you know let, let's hope that they at least can be competitive with you know the likes of aston martin and and you know maybe even topple a disadvantaged red bull at some point now they're, they're going to have a, a reliability issue or something that they can take advantage of that's my hope anyway coops you've raised your hand go for it uh, one, th- one thing interesting to kind of know to do with like competition and things total wolf has actually came out I just remembered this and said that he doesn't want like a limitation on the best way of saying it. He doesn't want the he doesn't want the red bills to be pulled back basically because they're too good. Mm. He says that's that's not fair on Red Bull. Like Red Bull have just done a better job and it's not up to us to complain to pull them in. We have to find a way to get closer to them. Yeah. Uh, and I think it's the best person to say it. Because if he came out and kind of was like, Yeah, yeah, we need them pulled back. You'll have the Mercedes fans being all, yeah, you look, see? And then everyone else goes, he's just a poor loser. Mm. Uh, but even when they're not doing good and they haven't done for a couple of years, he's came out and says, no, no, no. no. They, they've designed the car, they've done it well, they've done a good job, they've understood the regulations better than us. That's not their fault, that's our fault. So we need to figure it out and get closer to them. Yeah, so- I think... Lewis said the same thing about Red Bull when it was in the the 2012 dominant years. He said something similar. You know, the Red Bull dominance might bore fans, but it's not Red Bull's fault. It's our fault for not, you know, developing a car the same way. I think that was one of the articles that's often quoted on Lewis Hamilton hate pages on Facebook. Not that I'm part of them, but they they pop up on my feed. It's very, very difficult as a Formula One fan to kind of avoid, unfortunately, that sort of 
controversy between you know Lewis Hamilton fans and Max Verstappen fans and you know that sort of thing but I've seen the article brought up many a time and he was very open about it then and I think that's basically Toto Wolf kind of mirroring the sentiment that's previously been said by Lewis Hamilton in those, you know, back in those days. Okay, let's talk about another team then. Obviously, we've mentioned Mercedes and their upgrade package. Red Bull will. It's likely that they're going to have the best car there. Obviously, we 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 know it's going to, it's going to be the case. It's going to be the fastest car. But in terms of the the intra team battle, Oscar, do you think Perez is going to come off the bad week that he had in Monaco and kind of stick it to Max a little bit? Like we want him to do. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what we need him to do for the championship, really. Let, let's face it. I mean, it looks like it's going to be a two-horse race. Even with Fernando's incredible consistency in the Aston Martin, he's done a superb job. I won't deny that. But I think the driver's championship could be a stretch. It's tricky with Sergio because we all know where his strengths lie. And, and unfortunately, that big chance for 25 points... And to get one over on Max was in Monaco. You know, that's what we all thought was going to happen. Of course, we've seen the fallout for that. You can check out on the Everything F1 website. Helmut Marco was shocked, I believe, at the performance of Joe Perez. So, you know, do read into that. And I think it kind of shows that there's, there's a lot of disappointment about that display in Monaco. You know, it was tough conditions, of course, but he's the street king. And, mm-hmm. you know, now we're going to a circuit, you know, I'm a, Big Kimi Raikkonen fan, I think I mentioned on the pod before, wearing his hat from the Ferrari days. And we all remember that race where Max won his first race, of course, was in Spain with the Red Bull. And he defended like an absolute lion that day. He, yeah. he was incredible. So Max always seems to do well at Spain. He always seems to, he's really nailed the track. I think it suits his driving style. I don't believe within my head that Sergio does have it to take the fight to him. But I do think that after his Monaco performance, he's going to need to eke something out and, you know, maybe really do try and find that extra gear at a circuit which, in, historically, he may not have matched up so well against his teammate for the sake of the race and for the sake of the championship as well. I'm going to ask that same question to you, Ryan. Are you expecting Perez to come out fighting this weekend? I was all for Perez to go to Red Bull. I think he's the perfect rear gunner. Just mm-hmm. like Botas was the perfect rear gunner for Hamilton. I got to say that pressure and how you adapt to that is the one thing I think that differentiates a Max and a, and a Sergio or a Checo mm-hmm. is Max didn't make any mistakes. And when he did, you know, I think somebody joked that he had Vaseline on his wheels, you know, and it actually <laughs> like helped him from sticking to the wall. But, you know, you just, if you're going to take a fight to Max or you're going to take a fight to Lewis, you can't make mistakes, you know, and mistakes occur under pressure and that pressure, you know, can be overwhelming. I, if you guys have ever had pressure in your personal lives, like you definitely don't think straight and, you know, that comes with experience and just living in pressure. And I think if, if I'm a young Max and I have the pressure of living up to my father's expectations, you know, he's an F1 driver. I think that's that puts a ton of pressure on a young person to just get to Formula One, much less be a two-time champion. But, you know, I think he grew up in that pressure to yeah. not make mistakes. And and I think his kind of pragmatic, just bravado is just his personality in general. So mm-hmm. I think if... If Sergio wants to be a rear gunner, I think he can like live in that for a long time at Red Bull. I think if he's going to take a fight to Max and create problems in the team, I think, you know, they're going to look somewhere else to a Liam Lawson or something to take off. But I agree with you guys. I think Sergio, you know, 
fighting for a title is way better for us as fans. You know, I think it creates it creates a different dynamic mm-hmm. during the race for people like Alonso, for people like Leclerc and Sainz to kind of seize an opportunity from from that battle. But you know, I don't I don't want to see Max win every other every race for the rest of the season. You know, I'd like to see a war, and I think Mac or Sergio is the guy that'll bring it to him. Yeah, I just it, don't think he has that like that ice cold Kimi Raikkonen never make a mistake kind of personality he gets mm. fiery you know he gets ballsy and ends up in a wall and look every driver does it it's nothing against him it's just you can't make mistakes not absolutely. not in this sport absolutely yeah when you when you're against the somebody as elite as as max is i mean the same could be said for lewis hamilton's partner uh, you know you know teammates in previous years valtteri bottas has said you know i just could not touch lewis hamilton in terms of his consistency and his his, his constant you know ability to put the car in certain places and i'm sure sergio perez while he won't admit it while he's a teammate of max certainly probably thinks it you know what this guy is just you know so consistent so difficult to kind of take down but we need him because no one else is designing a car fast enough to, to kind of compete with Red Bull outside of the team. So, yeah, we, we do need some some impressive moves from Sergio Perez this weekend. Please, please, I'm asking the F1 gods for some luck for Sergio Perez. Let's talk about Ferrari Coupes. What are you expecting from Charles Leclerc and Carlos Sainz? Not a lot, to be honest. It's... I need more than just not a lot, Coupes. You know that. Words. Yes. Podcasts are for words. Words. Yes. Words. It's, it's not a visual thing. It's it's they're they're, a very, they're very much a conundrum at the minute. Monaco kind of showed that up quite a lot in terms of strategy decisions, and they just seem a wee bit out of sorts. Then Fred Vasseur comes out and says that the decisions they made didn't really affect the race. It well, it kind of did. I don't know what race you were watching. You know, it's the old analogy there of you know, as a soccer or football fan for myself, and we watch it and watch my team and they're awful, and we're like they were rubbish and then you hear the post-match interview with the manager and he says oh, we actually played all right and you're like what game did you watch sorry it's similar we 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 ferrari at the minute you, it, maybe not quite as bad as some of the decisions they made last year and i think that was like you know in brazil where they put on rain tires when it's a dry track or hungary where they put on the wrong tires and everybody every man and their dog were just that were you playing it but they're just again doing ferrari things so that's why my kind of Initial reaction to your question was not a lot because in in one way or another they're going to Ferrari it and that's not a good term. <laughs> they're going to do something, whether it be a strategy call, just putting them out in the wrong place. The team needed to do better with Leclerc because you know Monaco's such a small track. The team needed to be letting him know about Lando coming up closer or behind them. Mm. He didn't. He ended up losing three spaces, which pretty much ruined the opportunity to get anything decent from the race. And then. You know, strategy calls during the race, like I've kind of touched on. And then you've also got that wee thing where Leclerc's good, but sometimes he just pushes that wee bit over the limit, as we've seen in Miami. He doesn't know where his limit of the car is, and sometimes when he's a wee bit under pressure and he's like, I'm going for it, he's in the barrier, and we all know what happens there. It's, it never ends well. So I want to be proved wrong because we need something to try and at least put a wee bit of pressure on Verstappen or he's going to have this championship sewn up by the time we get to the summer break, you know, but like I say, not expecting too much. And just, just a note on that, just on what Coops has said and, and do jump in as well yourself and Ryan on this, but 
you know, whereas you see Mercedes, you know, kind of trying to come back and, you know, they're they're picking up some decent results, but, you know, they're not quite where they want to be. And, you know, they're making changes behind the scenes. You know, Mike Elliott stepped back, James Allen come in and Toto's releasing these kind of slightly soppy public messages to the fans. Not a massive fan of it, but at least he's coming out there and (laughs) apologising for it. You know, Ferrari just kind of gives me the impression sometimes of, oh, well, it's happened. So... You know, so what? You know, I I don't know. I know that's not the case, but I I don't see as much desire and fight, to, you know, to come back even this season from from the drivers or Fred Vasseur. But uh, yeah, I give give me your thoughts on guys. Yeah, I, I I kind of agree, kind of on the ownership and taking ownership for for things. The the aspect that you're mentioning there, obviously Mercedes have come out and said, you know, we don't we got this wrong, blah 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 blah. Lewis Hamilton's been very critical or, or quite critical, maybe not as critical this year as he was last year or whatever, but he's been critical of the team and kind of said, look, this is, we've designed a bad car, but we win and lose as a team. We need to get on with things and, and kind of make sure we do what we want. I can I can agree with you. You haven't heard any rhetoric from Ferrari to kind of take ownership or, you know, say what we're going to do. We are trying this, that and the other to, to put us in a better position. It's just more of the same kind of, kind of stance on things i don't know do you agree ryan there's an old adage in leadership that if people don't feel led they feel compelled to lead and i think there's something off at ferrari Mm. and and it's kind of been that way for a while but you know we've we've seen signs as this masterful kind of strategy guy driving his car at 200 miles an hour you know trying to not hit a wall and he can still have a strategy in his mind and pull together a strategy, not knowing anything. Like we got to remember that we have all the data that they don't have. Yeah. And you know, you you see you see this a lot in in Mercedes. You know, they'll they'll be a call given that maybe Lewis doesn't agree with or somebody doesn't agree with, and they'll kind of push back. But context will be given and provided it in that moment. Whereas like in Ferrari, I feel like they just kind of like give an order and move on. And like, there's no context and the the drivers are not feeling led. You know, mm. you see this a lot and with Leclerc, you see it a lot with, with Carlos where they just kind of like, they push back and, you know, and question these decisions and get no context to what's going on other than after the race, like you guys said, it's like, oh, well, it was the right call, but. But well, was it, you know, like you don't really have a track record of making great calls and great strategy, strategy decisions on the fly. So like you need to put a little bit of extra effort into, you know, the definition of, of a leader in a team. And, and like Fred is a good leader. Like a, that's not what I'm saying. I just think mm-hmm. that it's a, it's a cultural thing at Ferrari, not so much any one individual in particular. And I think that 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 to me needs to be more addressed more than like, do we, do we hire Lewis as a driver? You know, is that the problem or do we get another team principal? You know, do we get rid of Matteo? You know, what do we, it just like, you got to basically drop a hand grenade in the culture. And, and I think that that's what the CEO of Ferrari must do to see another championship. Otherwise it's just going to be this as like groundhog day year after year after year. Peeps. Yeah, to, can I add on to that? Like, Ferrari have bigger problems than trying to get almost retired Lewis Hamilton in their car. Ha, uh, you'll be there for another 10 years. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's it's 
it just shows you the problem that we have in Ferrari if they think what will solve the problem is his Lewis Hamilton in the car because as Ryan says, it's cultural, it's ingrained in the team. And we've we've said this numerous times over the years in the podcast we've done this uh, recently and even just discussions with ourselves. Like one of the biggest problems Ferrari have, and I think they still have it to a point, is the fear of making a mistake. Like you can only be innovative if you try things and it doesn't work because you then you learn, right, why did that not work? What's the problem? And the Ferrari had this thing of, if you make, like, if you make a mistake and get the sack, you're, you're individually, you're out the door or you're moved or something. Whereas if Mercedes tries something and it doesn't work, they come out as a team and go, yeah, we kind of got that wrong. That this mm. is why we got this wrong. And they the Mercedes are really good at coming out and explaining it. And Andrew Shovelin has brought that over to Williams as well. Like, they had the, the, there was a video with uh, Andrew Shovelin talking about Albon's weird crash in Australia and they, did, they, they discussed it. And like, you not, would love not to Shovelin, mate. Voles, James hmm? Voles. James Volks, who's Andrew Shovelin? He's he's still at Mercedes. Is he still at Mercedes? <laughs> uh, yeah, Volks. Uh, 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 James Volks at Williams. Sorry, so he he comes out and he still does that. He, he was good at that back in uh, at Williams at Mercedes. He does it at Williams, and you would like to see that from Ferrari just to come out and just say, look, we tried this. This is why it didn't work. But the problem is, if they do it now, we just wouldn't believe what they say because mm. we would be we're looking at something completely different and going, and it's that. They just have this weird culture, as you know, in general, and they haven't been able to fix it properly since you know the dream team broke up. You know, when you lost Braun, Schumacher, Jean Todd, and it's as if they just keep trying to recreate that rather than just moving with the times and inventing a new Ferrari and bringing up new cultures and stuff. But you know, they, they just seem to, regardless of who they bring in, they just fall back into the Ferrari way and it's not working, yeah. And and I think there's a, a a massive amount of pressure being a Ferrari team wherever it is. Obviously, you you know Tifosi are really kind of diehard Ferrari fans. You know they, there's lots of pressure from the fans, lots of pressure from above. It's just become a bit too much of a like a, a melting pot of pressure rather than you know a melting pot of ideas and and kind of mm. development and whatnot. Let's move on to a different team anyway because we we could we could probably talk about Ferrari all night and you know the, we would leave everyone else. Out. Who else are we expecting to do well? I don't want to touch on every single team, but let's say let's talk about Ocon and the Alpine team. We'll go to Oscar. Obviously, he's had a successful weekend in Monaco. Can he continue the momentum with that Alpine team and and do well in Spain? Yeah, well, I, I think momentum is often quite important in F1, and there's no doubt they they were under considerable pressure. I think you know we're all kind of questioning CEO Lauren Rossi's strategy of coming out and publicly lambast him but I guess he probably feels vindicated really with this the bestie on the podium you put it I didn't, <laughs> I didn't know that was a thing but apparently so yeah I, I think it was an important week for Alpi because you know coming into the season of course they lost Alonso they lost Piastri there was a lot of doubt and I think it worked out pretty well from in the end you know getting Pierre Gasly was a shrewd move for them to bring him in in that all French duo and uh, there's been no fireworks yet between the pair even though I know they've had a bit of a tumultuous past so now it's about kicking on I think we will start to see some improvement from them but at the same time I think there's a few teams in that midfield which are starting to find their feet now you know McLaren who we might come on to so I won't go into them too much but they were looking a lot stronger so maybe the field 
is going to bunch up a bit now and we're going to see some of those midfield teams who were doing quite well last year start to really pick up more points this year because I think so far it's been quite erratic, hasn't it? From race to race, we've had a lot of teams in the top 10, a lot of different drivers. I could now see Alpine, you know, with that driver lineup starting to really solidify the midfield and, you know, looking at the leaderboard, I guess they'd be aiming for, for fifth, realistically. I guess that would be the target with Aston Martin doing so well. So now I think that result took them into fifth place, actually. I believe that podium, that points all for Monaco. So now I guess they're going to look to try and solidify that. Yeah, fantastic. Well, we'll move on to Aston Martin. Obviously, Ryan, you said at the start, it'd be kind of a, kind of a nice romantic thing if Alonso could win the race in Barcelona. How do you expect them to kind of do that? Do you think they'll they'll be consistently in in that kind of in the running for the top position. Look, I think if you look at what is it the first five or six races we've seen this year, you know, you have the same kind of top 3. Alonso's been pretty consistent at the yeah. on the podium. I think we'll probably see that. I think what kind of like always confuses me is, you know, call Stroll what you want, but like, you know, he won championships against some pretty big talent. He's he's a talented young guy. And, you know, I don't I don't want to diminish that. But when you're when you're running a driver on the podium at, you know, 90 percent of the races and the other driver, you know, in the bottom five, you know, the last 10, you know, I think you got to start asking some questions in the team like what's going on here? You know, are, are we are we preparing the next team lead and champion or, you know, is this a. Is this, God, I don't want to say charity case. I actually, I like Aston Martin a lot, but I just, the pedigree of the brand is, you know, is a, is a long line of racing heritage and, and winners. And I think, you know, you nailed it with Vettel, you nailed it with Alonzo. And then you kind of got this other spot here where it's like, what, what are we doing? You know, mm. like, I think that that would be the story that they should be telling this year is like, what what is the story of Stroll? They just kind of like, they don't talk about his contract. They don't talk about like accountability or any of that. Like it would be really great if they kind of told the story or casted some vision over like him of the future, Lance of the future. I like him. He's a good guy. He's a humble guy for, you know, who he is and where he comes from. But I don't know. He's certainly no Mazepin, you know, by any stretch no. of the imagination, both like with his integrity and character, as well as his talent. But I would say, you know, is it better for dad to write a big check to Williams or write a big check to to Haas, you know, to let him kind of build himself up in a team like that? And then, you know, when he's proven a, just a, a dominance over teammates, bring him into the mothership and, you know, look you at must, that. You must have listened to the Everything F1 podcast before because we've said very similar things. We think he deserves his place on, yeah. the, uh, on the F1 grid. Absolutely. Yeah. But if Aston Martin is serious about wanting to win a championship, are they going to do it with Stroll as their number two? So it, it's kind of that, it's a real balancing act, I think, for yeah. uh, for Lawrence as a, as a dad, kind of, obviously, he's never going to just sack his son. Let's be, let, let's, let's put it, is you wouldn't do it. I would, you wouldn't do it about your son. You know, if your son came to you, dad, I need a job. You'd be like, okay, well, I'll try and find you something. I'll, I'll help you. You know, if my son came to me and said, dad, I need to, you know, to, you know mine are still only young. So they, it's all just Lego and stuff like that. If, can you fix this or whatever? Then I'm going to try my hardest. Here's the difference though. I think, yes, if I was Lawrence, I would do the exact same thing. However, I would gray my son out. Like he, 
the amount of pressure and stress that he had to deal with to retain that he would be bald and gray overnight. I just, <laughs> and I don't, I, I think that's, you know, that might be missing and that, but I, I can't argue with the guy cause I do the same thing. Exactly. It's, it, it's a tough balancing act for him. Definitely. Well, go on in Coops. You're a McLaren fan. Why don't you kind of summarize your expectations from the McLaren team this week? Cautiously optimistic. I think during Monaco, which, Again, it's kind of its bubble and things like that. But, you know, the car seemed to enjoy the conditions when it was damp and kind of, you know, in between. Piastri at one point was the fastest guy on the track yeah. by quite a fair margin during that race. But uh, they, they haven't brought, in any, brought any upgrades yet, have they? That, that's not an upgrade that's doing that. That must just be setting, set up. Well, yeah, this is the thing. They've brought a couple of minor things, and I think they brought them out. Was it Miami or a race recently? I can't remember now, but they did bring one up now, and everyone seemed to put a lot of weight on them. And Lando Norris would seem quite exasperated because he's like, no, the, the upgrades we got to the car were never going to pull us that far up the grid, you know. Mm. That, was never the, the, that was never the talk. It was just the general stuff. But they seem to be getting a handle on their car. Norris and Piastri are a decent pairing. Uh, so I think this should be the best of the rest they are round about that sort of bottom of the top 10 into the top half of this the you know the second part of the grid uh, the, the, the grid uh, so you're expecting like single maybe two points maximum but kind of around well, no, there I think, La- I think Lando maybe could fight Ocon and Gasly for around about 5th, 6th, 7th around about that area Piastri probably just pushing the pushing the points it would be it would be a fair kind of area for it uh, but then they're a bit of a, again, they're a hard team to judge. A lot of the teams look bad at the minute because, I mean, like I say, the start of the season, they came out and said, you know, here's a new car, it's crap. And you're like, pardon, what did you just say? <laughs> like, you you did what now? So they're kind of playing catch up, like I say, for, like I said on in, in Sunday night, uh, round about Silverstone's the interesting thing for McLaren because Andrea Stella came out and said it's pretty much a whole new car. So mm. that's going to be really interesting to see what they do. Let's just hope one of the two of them bin it in the first with the first practice and then ruin all the new parts. They've only got one <laughs> each of, and you're like, oh, for goodness sake. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, cautiously optimistic. And then look, I'll say that, and then they both go out of Q1, and then I'll be like, all right, no, mind then. Uh, <laughs> uh, and interestingly, the, the Triple Crown livery is staying for Spain as well. So that's good. Yeah, that's a lovely livery. I, I really that enjoy is. it. Mm. Yeah, definitely. Keep, keep that one. I can keep that one all season. I don't mind. Anyway. Well, we don't need to talk about every team. Like largely anonymous seasons going on for for Haas and Alfa Romeo, and you know you just just not see much from them anyway. Let's hope Williams have a better better weekend. Obviously, Sargent had just a terrible weekend in in Monaco. One to forget. Let's hope he puts kind of the best foot forward for the Spanish Grand Prix. But does anyone want to mention any of the other teams that we haven't mentioned before we just make our predictions? I don't, I don't want to kind of push forward and, and there'd be something really legitimately good to talk about from them. Well, ju- just a note on that, I'd like to get Ryan's opinion as a, as, a, as an American F1 podcaster and, a, and of course, F1 content producer. What's the reaction been so far this season, Ryan, about Logan Sargent's season as the only American in the sport currently? Man, you know, it, it's really difficult, I think, for American fans to get the whole Constructors series concept. You know, you got, you've got stuff like IndyCar where you've, you've got ranges of drivers that are all over the place. You know, I think as an F1 fan, it's hard to watch IndyCar and like find a driver because they're all over the place. Mm. You know, you'll have 
willpower win and then be 18th, you know? And like, that's like max winning and then being 18th and then ninth and then first and then last. And, you know, that's really coming down to, you know, setup and driver. And I think that's really challenging. I, I would say probably mostly just uneventful. You know, I run into a lot of Formula One fans just in business mm. and friends, and I don't ever hear his name. And, you know, and I, I think it's fine, but you know who I'd rather see in that seat is, is a JM Carrera. Like he's got a story. He's got adversity. You know, he's a Miami kid. Like he's, he's very well-spoken. I think he's way more marketable than Logan. And, you know, and I just, I really think that that's what we need here in the States is, is a Daniel Ricardo from America, you know, like yeah. we need that outgoing, you know, bravado. We need that marketable personality, that person that just has fun, you know, and, and is wildly talented, you know, yeah. we, it's nothing against Logan's talents as a driver. I just think that most drivers have one or the other highly marketable, not very fast very, very fast, not very marketable. Mm -hmm. And you get that rare kind of dual talent. You know, Ricardo, you know, blew out of the scenes in 2018, you know, when he was both of those things. And, you know, Max isn't really both of those things. You know, he's, mm. he's very like one or the other, you either love the guy or hate the guy, you know, Lewis, Lewis has both of those things, but you know, I just, Logan is not out there being a, a social media personality. He's not out there, you know, doing commercials or anything like that. And I, I don't know. I think that we just miss that in America, you know, and I, and I don't think Americans totally understand that concept. So they immediately gravitate towards Red Bull or Mercedes, mm. you know, the ones that are more in the really, kind of spotlight, not even McLaren. I mean, McLaren is supposed to be America's team. You know, they've got all the American sponsors and, you know, I just, they're not, they're not, putting a car out there mm. we need ron dennis back <laughs> bring a bring back ron i'm sure i'm sure he'd love that himself but uh, yeah I'm, I'm sure that he's annoyed a few people on the way out so i don't know that that will happen anytime soon but yeah well thanks for your input on on logan Sargent. let's let's make our predictions then for a race our individual predictions we just want a, a top three and i'll go round and i'll give you a chance to to think ryan this time and I'll, okay. put Coop, I'll put Coops initially on the spot because he's usually pretty good at this sort of thing. Are you going to go obvious or are you going to go bold? No, it's obvious. There's the track, even though it's not tested on much. I mean, you can't really, the layout of the track and everything, you can't really go against Red Bull. Mm. Unless they have a mechanical issue. It's, it's, it's Verstappen all day long. Maybe closely followed by Leclerc because he knows, and Ferrari, it's one thing I will say in the hand team, they've built a good qualifying car. They just can't seem to get all the pieces together. Uh, and Leclerc knows how to put a car on pole, as we've seen last year. I think he's the record for the most poles in the season with the least wins. Good stuff. Uh, so, <laughs> Wrong way. <laughs> <laughs> whoops. Uh, so I'm going to go, I'll go, I'll go pole for pole is uh, Verstappen. Pole Verstappen. Yeah, okay. What's your top three? Sorry. For the race, it will be, let me see, I'll say Verstappen, Alonso, Hamilton. We'll go with Hamilton as my wild card. Okay. Sure. Oscar, can you give us a top three? Sure. So, Are you going to go with your head or are you going to go with your heart? 
I'm going to go with my head. Sorry, no, my heart even. Sorry, because I've been going with my head a lot in podcast appearances and various things at EF1. And of course, when you go with your head in the last season or season and a half, you're always going to say Max Verstappen because Mm. he he looks faultless. But I think it will be interesting. You know, there's a lot of drivers who want to prove themselves. As Coops mentioned, Leclerc has a good record. He's very great on Saturdays. And I also think Sainz could, could pull out the bag because... We haven't really mentioned him much, but of course, he's a Spaniard as well. It is his home race as well as Fernando. So I hope that's going to drive him on in the way we've seen with some other drivers in recent years, such as the the Kobayashi and Suzuki, (laughs) Suzuka and and all that kind of thing. They always seem to have an extra spring in their step. So I'm going to say top three. Let's go with Leclerc to win, Verstappen in second, and Carlin's third. Why not? I'm going to say that Ferrari are going to have a good race here. I think they're going to be a decent competitor. I hope to Red Bull. It's hard to look past Red Bull, of course, with that sector three in particular. It suits Red Bull, unfortunately. I think Aston Martin would have had a better chance if they'd have kept the format as is really of challenging and, and other teams as well. But that's going to be my wild card. And, and I'm going to hope that we're not going to see a Red Bull on the top step this week. And that's my, that's my dream. Well, we also saw, well, actually, just, just drawing back to Monaco, we, we also saw Alonso on the top step this, this, this past race. He put his foot on the, the, on the top step of the podium as they were taking the pictures, which was quite interesting. That was a kind of subliminal message. Maybe it's like, I'm, I'm nearly there. I'm, I'm going to be there the, next week, maybe. Yeah. He's got Taylor yeah. Swift. Now he's coming for the top step of the podium. So, uh, <laughs> Fernando's kind of year. So why not? Any, anything's possible. He's enjoying himself this year, isn't he? He's got a good bounce in his step as Alonso. And he's mm-hmm. having a good laugh. I think at one point he was uh, he snuck into the Red Bulls uh, celebrity uh, celebration photograph at the end yeah. as well, and he's in there. He's having fun. He's enjoying himself. I don't think at this time in his career he thought he'd got a car that would get up there near the top again. Thought maybe decent get a handful of points, but then you know third, 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 third second in Morocco, he's like, oh, this is fun. So it's good to see. It's good to see. I'd rather see that than GP2 engine huffy puffy Alonso from back yeah. in the McLaren days. That that got old very quick. So, Ryan, are you going to back up what you said in terms of the, the earlier kind of conversation about you'd like to see Alonso on there? Are you going to go with your heart there and make that prediction, or are you going to go with your head and say, you know, the obvious? I'm going to blend my heart and Oscar all up in the same sentence. I say Alonso, P1, for stopping P2, and signs P3. I think that'd be uh, great for the home crowd. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, Aston Martin has got... They've got margin on testing. They have Alonso, which can basically, you know, grab a grab a car by the scruff of its neck and take it farther than it's capable of going. And and signs is just I mean, Verstappen's a given. Like we don't even have to discuss that. But <laughs> you know, I, I do agree. I think signs is to me. I feel like signs is a superior driver to to Leclerc. I think he's he is better under pressure. Mm. I think strategy wise, he. He's a smarter driver, and then he's just got that Spanish fire in him. And I think he'll, you know, he'll completely disregard Ferrari, where Leclerc will put, you know, blind trust in the team, and even if it goes against his his strategy. So that's my pick. That's I'm gonna cool. go with my heart. 
that's good that's great and you know what i usually go with my heart i absolutely usually go with my heart every 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 other week i I just make make some random bold crazy prediction but because you guys have kind of covered that sort of thing i'm going to go with my head and say carbon copy last year's one two for stappen perez and i'm going to stick alonso on third just because i usually go you know the crazy route and i want to be right at some at some point this this season (laughs) go on coops what you what do you want to say uh, I think if you're thinking Perez, you're a Perez fan. He needs to keep. He needs to win to keep any kind of slim Bottas esque. I can challenge for the title. Thoughts alive after last weekend. He needs to come out, pull it, win it, fastest lap, and just put a marker down. And especially on a track that's not a street track, because we prefer, I mean, look at the discussions we have. We just had there, you know, on our predictions. We're not really thinking about Perez as being a challenger, really. So, you know, I think for Perez, he needs to come out and really start being a bit of a bully in terms of, you know, a bit, a bit, a bit more self, a bit more arrogant with himself and a bit more kind of case of, I'm going, you know. There's life after Red Bull for Perez. With the amount of money he brings in, there will be another team that will be like, mm. oh, they're chucking you at the door, going over. So yeah, I think if he, if he wants to be seen as serious, or then he needs to kind of get in there and get on about it and then watch this he'll bin it in the first corner of the first free practice and then it'll full weekend will be gone and no 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 yeah. he's going to be second oh, yeah. carbon yeah, okay. copy of one yeah. two last year that's, sorry I forgot that's that, I forgot that. yeah okay well let's move on to some news sub- subjects that have kind of dropped since the monaco grand prix there haven't been many but we have got a couple of talking points red bull designer rob marshall he is the chief engineering officer for red bull or he was He's now signed a deal with McLaren to move there for 2024 onwards. He's been at Red Bull for 17 years, so he's yeah a really the long-standing star, yeah long-standing member of the team, really key. And I think there's a bit of bitterness in kind of the, the statement from from Christian Horner. You know, I think he does kind of rate him highly for the team. What were your initial thoughts when you heard this news, Coops? Yeah, I was like, oh, McLaren, are seriously. And then the second one was Red Bull seems to be losing a lot of people. Or is that just me? Uh, yeah, true. But then, you know, I think Red Bull took a few people over. Yeah, that's, that's uh, you know, Ryan's just put the universal <laughs> sign for money over, uh, over, the, yeah. over the, the video there. So it probably is. And he's he's coming into a new, uh, it's a new uh, position. He's the technical chief of design engineering. I think there's a slightly different way that the Ferrari, Ferrari and McLaren are, are sitting out their stall. So... New challenge. He's been with Red Bull since his inception in 2006 when they took over from Jaguar. You know, everybody just gets to a point in their life where they just they want to do something different and it's a different challenge. And, you know, hey-ho, yeah. You know, Horner can be in a half all he wants. It's, it, it doesn't necessarily mean it's a, it's going to work. Look what happened to James Key. I rated James Key when he moved to, to McLaren. I thought, oh, that's a good wee piece in the puzzle. And it didn't. And he, he got it wrong and they've, they've changed it. So... Paddy Lowe uh, down uh, at Williams. Oh, that, yeah. that was fun for the drive to survive <laughs> episodes. They, they were great. I still watch them now. Like, oh, look, look. It was uh, so awkward. But yeah, yeah, I mean, he was supposed to be this big signing for, for Williams and, you know, he, he just did yeah, not it work. Became a, it just it became a bit of comedic how bad it was, to be mm. honest. That. But yeah, it's it's good for McLaren. It shows their intent. They're bringing in what it seems to be the right people in a similar vein to the way Aston Martin are doing their expansions. You know, they're doing it in stages. They're They've been smart about it. They're not just flinging money at it and being a bit like, you know, maybe the Toyota of the days gone by where they just flung money but didn't really have a proper kind of 
way of strategy of what they're going to do. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's good. It's for a McLaren fan, I was ple- I pleasantly surprised when I seen it. Didn't know who he was, but then when I seen where he's coming from and his position within Red Bull, you don't get that position in Red Bull without knowing your stuff. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'll be good to see him. I, I'm, I'm assuming he's now in that world-famous gardening leave. Now that it's out, yeah, he's at home with his feet up, you know, chilling. Probably will be for the rest of the season till. I, I'm not sure if they said the actual start date, other than it's 2024. I, I think it said the first as a first of January. He's allowed. Is to, that first of January? Yeah, yeah, yeah. he's he's already home. <laughs> They've already locked him out of the factory. Yeah, <laughs> cancelled everything. Hand in yeah. your lifetime supply of Red Bull and yeah, yeah, get out of my factory. Drop them at the post box at the door. Don't even come in. Just hand them to the box <laughs> at the front door. Yeah. Are you excited by the signing, Ryan? Are you a, obviously you said you, American? It's it's an American team, the McLaren. But is are you excited by the potential signings? You know, not just this one, but the, the signings that they've made as a team recently. They've, they've taken somebody from Ferrari, quite a key. Putting there, Sanchez, I think his name was. You know, they they they're quite clearly going into it with intent. I think it clearly wasn't Daniel's problem. <laughs> I I think that. The team, the team needs drastic changes. I think, you know, going and recruiting from the top is is what you do. I think Zach is, you know, Zach's a pretty cutthroat leader. I think he's going to go in and he's going to rifle through any, any leadership that he can get. You know, obviously, you know, when you get somebody of a high caliber like that, if if they have a an alliance in the team, you're going to see, you know, you're going to see more than that one individual come into the team. You're going to get that kind of that 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 team coming with that person into the team. So you're going to get more than just one person and it, and a move like that. I really, I, I, I love to see a more level playing field. I like Zach. I like, you know, I love Lando as a driver. I love, you know, Piastri. I think that's a great story. I just, I don't see them competing until 26, honestly, like, like I think we'll see some lightning come from Lando on and, and a, perfect condition i think we'll see some lightning from piastri in a perfect scenario but you're never going to get the consistency of you know top five results at least until another shakeup. Mm. and i yeah. frankly it'll be like that i think across the board you're breaking the heart of mclaren fans here but unfortunately I love we, mclaren we, we probably thought that that ourselves anyway to be honest with you but yeah it's just been heartbreaking watching the last couple of years hasn't it coops <laughs> look i thought yeah. i thought in the 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 2022 ricardo norris brown mercedes engine i thought that that would be the beginning of a new dynasty for mclaren and i was sadly mistaken i you know i was wrong i completely guessed wrong but <laughs> The whole I, uh, world guest walk because the mm-hmm. minute I saw Ricardo side for McLaren, I was like, yes, on yourselves. Yeah. And then very quickly, we're like, what the fudge yeah. is going on there? And we, I think we all did it when we were discussing again yeah. in podcast. Like, a couple of races in, boom, we'll hit the boom. And then the second half of the season, we're like, and then I got slated because I wrote an article saying that Daniel Cardo was done. And yeah. all the socials came out. I'm like, and now I'm going, look, look, was I wrong? Uh, mm. Yeah, it's it's hard being a McLaren fan because you remember back with Senna won everything and you know and then you had uh, Hamilton when he won his first championship and all those battles and then Hakkinen, Hakkinen, Hakkinen yeah, for a couple, couple of years, couple of great years, and yeah. then then they were they were could they couldn't they against Ferrari and then they kind of dipped away again and then we had Alonso and Honda and you're like oh, no 
in the old system of the amount of penalties they got, like they were in like they got like that many places they were in the previous Grand Prix, you know. <laughs> and then it then it flattered to deceive when they moved from Renault to Mercedes and they were they, they got was it third? I think one of the years just recently they got third mm. in the constructors and then the last two years with the new regulations, it just they just made a fundamental error with the design of the car or they just haven't quite got a handle on it. Maybe not to the extent of Mercedes, but they haven't been able to grow and move on. They've, they've kind of plateaued a bit. And the problem we have now is Lando Norris, like, uh, there's a couple of folk in there and then everything F1 that don't seem to see what the fascination has been with Norris. They've said that, but I mean, I do like him, but if McLaren keeps staying this kind of plateau and they're not pushing forward, Norris is going to start looking and you've got Audi. You've yep. got a very, very good partnership with Honda and Aston Martin coming up in 2026. Now, there's a lot of drivers round about that time that will be looking for new places to go. And I'm sure Lando Norris will be like, British team, British driver, you know, mm-hmm. Alonso, Chad Cesar, he's probably not going to be there, but then it's Alonso Christ, he'll be 72 and still driving in fucking same <laughs> place. But, you know, realistically, Chad Cesar is probably not going to be there, you know. So they really need to start showing progress and, you know, hopefully with the wind tunnel that will come out next year, but the and the, and these signings, these signings, hopefully, will be the thing that kind of drive him to stay if the, if he is going to stay. Well, we 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 hope, mm. but yeah, it's it's difficult being a McLaren because they, they they teeter on the but it's coming, then they disappear again, mm. and then we go through it all again. Yeah. Okay. Well. That that was a that, that was obviously a talk about the the, the Red Bull designer that's, that's moved today. Let's 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 have a chat to our guest now, Ryan. Let tell us a bit more about Formula Access and who who are the great guests that you've had on, oh, on your man. podcast and show. Boy, we you know we've honestly we've been so blessed with some awesome guests. You know, I JM K- Korea Korea. Yeah, I can't yeah. roll my R like he can, so like it messes me up when I try to like roll it and I can't I just it's like walking up to the ledge of a cliff dive and you just freak out and go backwards um Mm -hmm. he's got a really really great story and he's honestly got a really really great energy behind Mm -hmm. him not really formula one but Erica Hoffman I mean she's got a wild story of just adversity and like coming from nothing yeah you know she she told a story about the family couldn't even afford cable so she had to like have her grandpa record f1 races on vhs and like mail them to the house and like that's <laughs> how they kept up and you know she just has this wild story of success like just taking chances and man kate dalton from aston martin you know she's wickedly smart dan jones over engines at mercedes wow crazy smart crazy cool guy i wish i could have his life <laughs> but like, you know, like we discussed earlier too, Mario Andretti, man, he's just a sweet guy. You know, he's just, he's an, an amazing storyteller. He is very, very sweet. He's very generous with his time. You know, you guys know that. Had the head of Red Bull Creative. He's a really cool guy. We just kicked his show off last time. Uh, James Rowe, another Irish Irish kid in IndyCar. We oh, released okay. him this morning. Again, another kid came from nothing, moved to the U.S., lived in a garage, worked his way up, found his own sponsorship. Basically, you know, all the reasons that young drivers say they can't make it to the top. Mm -hmm. He's had it all. He's had all those challenges. And, you know, he's he's worked his way up and, you know, he's got kicked in the teeth a couple of times, but keeps going. We had Lando's dad on the show. Oh, nice. uh, Last year. And, you know, for whatever reason, he's just not gotten the green light to let us publish it. 
Oh. However, the the TikTok shorts that I popped out there went nuts. <laughs> it is was probably actually one of my favorite episodes to record. He's just like he's an entrepreneur, you know, just talking about building a tech company. Mm. You know, that's that's what I've had to do. So we just kind of like clicked immediately and just being a dad, we clicked immediately. All the stuff you hear in the media just about, you know, their upbringing, totally different. You know, like mm. Just to to get that info from the source from a very very genuine guy, I like that is the one episode I wish I could pop out there because it was just a really really fascinating story. Wow! And may I mean maybe that's why McLaren won't greenlight it. But <laughs> oh, is it, is it my McLaren? You hear from the team is uh, I can't get that episode out. <laughs> that's annoying. Yeah. That, like... One, it was, it was, and I know this because it was like, I was ready. Like the, the little teasers I was firing out there went nuts. Mm. And so I had it scheduled for January 31st and I was like, oh my gosh, this thing's going to be bonkers. Like this is the moment where the podcast becomes something. Yeah. And I was grocery shopping the night before and I get a call from this like unavailable number and I'm like, it's a spam call. I don't know what it is. Picked it up and he's like, Hey, it's Adam. I need you to take the episode down. He's like, I just, I don't know. I, I can't get approval and we got to make some edits. And so I was like, seriously, Ouch. but like I'm in the grocery store talking to Lando's dad, you know, <laughs> and I'm just thinking like, wow, this is what a crazy life, you know, like cool things, but it just, I don't know. He, he, he's messaged me a couple of times and just said, I'll tell you the story sometime. But I, I believe it came from McLaren. They're the very polished media presence to kind of have something out there that they didn't have full control over the conversation. I would imagine that's... We that's we had a very similar experience with a member of staff from McLaren, actually. Yeah. But yeah. yeah they, they, were, they were very much up for doing it, but they're like, I just can't get approval. They won't allow me to come on. But they were keen. It was like, we were like, oh, this could be good. But no. Yeah. They're the, they're the only team in the paddock that won't let me in. I mean, I, all the comms, all the comms people... Or like, who do you want to see? Who do you want to have on the show? You know, here or they'll suggest people to have on the show. McLaren is just a closed shop. So, so sad. Who would you like to get on your show as a, in an interview and, and and talk to? Hannah Schmidt and Anthony Hamilton. Nice. Yeah, I want those two on the show. That'd be cool. Yeah, I, I, I've I've tried both those, and I, yeah, they're, they're very <laughs> difficult to get hold of. <laughs> yes. So good luck. So, I, I, if you get them, you've got to hand me their um, their email I, I, address over the back door. So okay. I had Tim Sylvie on the show, yes. and he was getting ready to go have wine with Anthony Hamilton and have him on the show. I still haven't seen it yet, mm. but I was like, hey, when you're sitting there, just pass along my information. You know, he's the only guy I can't find. Like, there's no email, <laughs> there's no social media, there's just nothing. And I, I'll figure it out, but to this day, I can't. So I'll include you in on that invite. <laughs> Just BCC. Yeah, I don't mind. Yeah. However, <laughs> we won't be sneaky. No, we'll do it honestly. <laughs> and uh, okay, we always ask our, our guests who do they think is going to win the championship. But I think that's going to be a really easy answer, a question to answer today. But who are you hoping to, who do you think will win the season? And who would you like to kind of see make a resurgence towards the end of the season? Maybe hoping or who do I think will win? I think yeah, Max I, I'm trying. I'm trying to merge the question to make it a bit more interesting <laughs> because it's obviously it's going to be who it's going to be. But you know, are you hoping for a resurgence from somewhere, or do you think Alonso can kind of stick it to a bit more? Do you think Sergio Perez can kind oh. of do a bit more? I don't know. 
give us just your rundown of, of what you think is going to happen for the rest of the season. Look, I, I think if if my head was going to prevail, Verstappen's got it. I mean, he just he he's just lockstep, cool as a cucumber, doesn't make mistakes. When he does, he has enough margin to make them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Perez has got a long road ahead of him to take that fight to Max. Plus, he's got the team against him, which call it what you want. The team is behind Max. Mm-hmm. The future of the team is behind Max. The only thing you can do in, in Checo's situation is be the best rear gunner on the planet. And like, that's your role. Like, yeah. this is who I am. This is why I'm here, you know, and and own it. Like, take full ownership of that role. He'd be with the team as long as he wanted if he did that. But man, I'd love to see Lewis fight Max in the end. Like I said, I think that they've got testing margin mm. to, to really develop that car through the end of the season. We got a long way to go. And man, what a story that would be. I think Max might prevail just because of the probably the margin left in the car that we still haven't seen yet. Mm-hmm. Would probably bring him across the finish line. But wow, that'd be fun to watch. Absolutely. Absolutely. Any questions for Ryan before we we say goodbye to him today? Just actually a quick one from me in regards to the cost cap penalty for Red Bull. Do you think that that's going to play a part in terms of the Red Bull against the rest of the field? Because they've only got, I think, is it like over the course of 12 months, it's like 63% uh, uh, of CFD time and things like that compared to a lot of the other teams. What do you think, Ryan? Do you think that will play a part with the other teams allowing to catch up or do you think it's not going to play as much a part as we were hoping? Matt, honestly, if I'm if I'm Toto Wolf and even Lawrence watching what happened to Red Bull, I mean, I'd go for it. Mm. I mean, I, I honestly, I think the precedence has been set that if you can write a $7 million check and bust the rules and bring some bring some fire to to the series. I think Liberty steps in and says, hey, you know, look, I know they blew the cost cap, but fans love it. Fans love the competition. They love seeing a three-way fight. I don't know. I I think you got to be pretty, I don't know. I just don't see that in their personalities. Toto maybe, but I think if Lawrence really brought that fight, I think Toto would step in too. And quite frankly, they're pretty close anyway. You mm-hmm. know, I could see a, I could see a, late night, you know, penthouse suite meeting in Japan, you know, that is just like, Hey, how about, how about we stick it to Red Bull and write it, write some big checks, you know? Yeah. They're, they're, they're all, all the big teams are developing their, their own, own factories now. So Mercedes have, have put this factory in. So there's going to be a way of kind of hiding some things in, in clever accounting, you know? Oh yeah. We had, 100 bookshelves to put in this one room that we never see you know we had you know i think there's going to be some clever accounting anyway to try and so and if they get caught then the punishment isn't that great anyway you know as as but the only way you solve that is you put 145 million dollars in a bank account and when you overdraft it you're done (laughs) like that's my solution but yeah of course we want some gray area because this is formula one Oscar, your question for Ryan before we wrap it up. Yeah, Ryan, just another one sort of tapping to the American F1 psyche. I hope you don't mind, but it's always nope. nice to, to chat to Americans because, of course, the sport is blowing up across the pond in North America at the minute. First of all, what do you think about how much F1 is growing? Of course, you're adding Las Vegas to the calendar this year you know there seems to be a lot more popularity and it's growing exponentially in in america and and how far do you see it going do you think there could be a few more races added to the calendar 
in the next few years. I believe you're from Missouri yourself. Could, could you see a St. Louis Grand Prix coming to the calendar <laughs> in the next few years? Not unless you guys want to see it in a circle. That's not going to fly. <laughs> we we you know we have a track out here, but it's an IndyCar NASCAR track, so not probably not not set up for Formula One. I honestly like I, I love it. I've been a fan of Formula One for 20 years. So, you know, I kind of break the norm of the drive to survive fan, but I also I really like the just the the passion that that show's created. You know, I was in a in a meeting with a client last week. He's a drive to, he's a self-proclaimed drive to survive fan. He mm -hmm. is jumping on a plane with a buddy of his flying to Austria to go watch, you know, the Red Bull ring. He's a huge Red Bull fan. And mm. like, I just, I, I love that. I love people getting excited about that. Honestly, because I don't like football. I, you know, I don't watch baseball very often. And when I can go to a business meeting, have, you know, have dinner with friends and we talk about Formula One versus college sports, mm -hmm. like I'm in heaven. This is your life. Like, this is all you guys talk about is soccer and Formula One or football and Formula One. We don't get that in America. So as a longtime fan, like I really actually appreciate Drive to Survive because, you know, people get excited. And because I've been a fan for a while, they they call me and text and ask me questions. And like, that's that's fun. As far as tracks go, I think they probably got it wrong. You know, I think having having all these kind of call it street circuits is, you know, feels a little artificial. I love I love the concept of Vegas. Uh, I love the night race down the strip. I think that's crazy cool. It's going to look uh, great. Miami, you know, Miami was supposed to be in proper South Beach down the strip and residents ran that out. But like if you look at Coda, you've got a, a 400,000 person capacity there and then you look at, you know, what is what is Miami like 2 or 300,000 and then you look at Vegas is like just north of 200,000 capacity like you're seeing the sport grow and the venues get smaller. And so like, if we want to really create like long time fans, I think we need to be looking at places like Denver, like places that can build a spa like track, yeah, you know, or something like Monza that's different and unique to the terrain, but also bigger venues. So like, how can we bring fans in and not have, you know, these, 20 something year old fans that can't even afford a ticket. I mean, Miami was like 1700 bucks a ticket, you know, and, you know, you're in a, you're in the, the bleachers, you're shoulder to shoulder. My knees are in somebody's back. Somebody's knees are in my back. And, you know, that's hard to watch. I was lucky and I could go into the paddock, but like to watch the actual race, like that was pretty uncomfortable. Mm. So I just think a bigger, a bigger venue if you mirror that with growth, I think you can probably make the economics work like Coda. Coda, you know, I think a three-day ticket last year, I think I got it for like 300 bucks a ticket or something, which is, I mean, it's like a baseball game. That's, yeah, that's a good, a more reasonable price, isn't it? You know, that's yeah. doable, and manageable. I, and I can't even find a place to stay in Vegas. Anybody listening with a hotel room, let me know. But <laughs> Top and tail. 50-mile radius, there's not an Airbnb, a hotel or anything. and. Wow. I'm not, I mean, I'm not going to buy tickets and sleep in my car. So, <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's been great having you. Hopefully we maybe have a catch up towards the mid to end, end of the season. Maybe have you on again, maybe reviewing a, 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 a race. That'd be fantastic to get you on board. But thank you for coming to chat to us today. I know, I know you've got probably somewhere to be, probably more calls or podcasts yourself to record. 
<laughs> I've got to work. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Okay. Well, thanks very much for coming to speak to us anyway, Ryan. Hey, thank you guys for having me on. Anytime you want me to come on, you just shoot me an email. Can you plug, do you want to plug your podcast while you're here? Where can they find it? What's it called? Yeah. So they can search for it. Yeah. Podcast is Formula Access. All of our social media platforms, Formula Access. Uh, we have a website, don't really manage it too much except for, you know, a place for the podcast, do a little bit of writing there, but it generally gets you, you know, to any of our platforms of blogging, writing, podcasts, shorts, we spend a lot of time on TikTok, a lot of time on LinkedIn, a lot of time on YouTube, everything else is just a mirror of that. Cool. Well, everyone should go and follow you because yeah, you've had some great guests, some really interesting conversations. So yeah, head yeah. over and, and follow Formula Access. And Thanks engage, again. request, request guests. Yeah. I will, I will hunt them down for you guys. Fantastic. Well, you thank you very much. Please. Brilliant. All right. Cheers, Ryan. Thanks for coming to chat. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Okay. Well, we've got a couple of more stories to kind of just to, to briefly touch on before we wrap up the whole podcast. Aston Martin moved into their new base at Silverstone. So the first all new base in F1 in almost 20 years, and it's 400,000 square feet. It boasts a wellness enhancement center for staff, including gym access to personal trainers and fitness programs and extensive walking and cycling tracks. Phase two and three continues with construction of the wind tunnel and sim, which will be completed by the end of 2024. And as I mentioned, I think this is a way of hiding a few adjustments and increases to, to kind of in places where budget caps can't reach nowadays. What, what do you think, Coops? I'm not sure that the building of the factory is actually under budget cap rules, but I mean, they're very... Yeah, no, it's not. So that's what I mean. So uh, if you haven't got a budget cap, then you can build whatever you want. You can say, well, I paid for, you know, this super duper computer, blah, blah, blah. And that cost me five well, million. I'm going to put that sneakily under the rug for, you know, the Aston Martin F1 car. Well, I mean, if Aston Martin want to be seen to be taken seriously and challenge Red Bull, they kind of need to actually move out of the old Jordan, you know, force in their factory, start there for God knows how many years. Uh, and, you know, they're doing it the right way around. They've got, they're, they're getting their new wind tunnel sorted. There. And you know what, the weird, the weird thing about it is that eventually the McLaren's technology centre, which was state-of-the-art at the time, is going to look pretty old hand by the time these teams finish moving into their new places. So that's another thing for <laughs> beloved McLaren that to sort out. It looks spectacular. Mm. But it's starting to get a wee bit rusty around the edges, I think. So I think they're going to need to start refreshing things there. But yeah, it's 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 a good move, a statement of intent again from you know Lawrence Stroll and the consortium that own this demand. Uh, and it's been be- being built for the last couple of years now, so it's good to see them move in. There's some pictures of yeah. them in in there now. They've obviously got a very kind of all singing, all dancing kind of accommodation now that they're going to be very proud of, and they're going to sing it from the rooftops. And it's very much it's self-sustaining, one of the most self-sustaining buildings, you know, I think in the world. I think, you know, they, they use rainwater, they use other elements of nature and, and whatnot to keep it self-sustaining. Obviously, with the price of, you know, electricity and gas and whatnot, you know, anything, any little bit helps, even for a Formula One team. So, mm. so yeah, it's it's a, it's a step up for, for Aston Martin. And, you know, we'll see what, what that comes with when the, the sim and the wind tunnels get switched on over the course of the next year or so. Oscar, are there any articles that you want to chat about at all that you've seen since the race weekend in Monaco? 
Sure. I, I mean, we, we kind of touched on it earlier. I guess we could explore this this dig at Perez from Helmut Marko a little bit further, if, if that's something which you, you guys have an opinion on. I mean, just for those listeners who weren't aware, of course, you know, Sergio had a, a miserable Monaco Grand Prix, it's fair to say, qualifying race, nothing went well for him. And Dr. Helmut Marko labelled it not irresponsible, but unreasonable. Mm. and says that his scruffy race on Sunday didn't matter, apparently. So, I mean, that, that that's a scathing comment there from, from Dr. Marco. And, and I think it, it's interesting to see how he reacts to that. I think we all know that the Red Bull power structure has always kind of led to a number one and number two, even if they're not always clear about it. You know, going back to the Vettel, Mark Webber days, Verstappen, you know, I think there has been some, some suggestion that he has been given some favourable treatment by Red Bull. I, I'm i not sure if that's exactly true. I, th- I think Sergio, you know, apart from playing that rear gunner to, to, to Max in that season in that Titanic battle against Hamilton, has mm-hmm. had a fair crack at it. But certainly a comment like this, I couldn't see Dr. Marco saying this about Verstappen if he had had an equally destructive weekend, shall we say. So mm. I think it'll be interesting to see how he responds to that. Is it gonna? Is he now going to crumble under the pressure in Spain? Of course, we've already talked about the fact that he's not really one of the favourites to do well there. Or is it going to fuel him to, to maybe take on Max? I think the best response he can give to Helmut Marco this weekend would be to go and have a clean weekend and to beat Max. Yeah, absolutely. But, you know, he's Helmut Marco is not saying something, anything that, you know, Sergio Perez is probably saying to himself. It, it was a terrible weekend. He made these silly mistakes. He put himself into the wall in qualifying. You know, he's going to be beating himself up about that because he is historically good at street circuits. And this was kind of maybe a slam dunk for him had he kept his nose clean. Coops, what what are you going to say about the situation? In regards to Helmut Marco, I'm, you know, I'm not surprised he said that because He's got to come out and say something. Mm. Uh, so, you know, uh, as you say, Perez knows it was a horrible weekend. He knew the minute he binned it at the first corner in that pre-practice, pre-practice qualifying one that, you know, it was a big whoopsie. Mm. And he has to dust himself down, forget it happened and move on, you know. I don't think MD and even Perez, if he really thought, you know, really thinks about it, has really got a stand-up chance to go against Verstappen. Even in equal machinery, it would have to be of very similar to the Hamilton-Rosberg 2016. You know, Rosberg's not on the same level as Hamilton, but just with a bit of luck and him having a perfect season, he was able to get his championship. So, you know, yeah, dust it down, move on. If you can get the win in Spain, that might help. You know, as I said earlier in the podcast, we're winning against Verstappen in whichever way it is, at a track that's not a street track. Mm. You know, maybe we could see, maybe we can start to think ever so slightly more. But over the course of the season, this is what happens. Anything much else in regard? Well, I think we've pretty much summed up the whole news of the moment and certainly any articles that have popped up since we reviewed the Monaco Grand Prix, which was only two days ago. So there wasn't going to be loads loads to talk about additionally. Thanks again for our guest, Ryan Hunt from Formula Access. Please go and see their site, go and visit their socials, interact, and of course, listen to their podcast as well. It really is a genuinely good podcast as well. But obviously, stick with us. For, for everything for the future as well you can also find us on all our social platforms we're on facebook twitter instagram youtube and tiktok we're also on our website www.everythingf1.com and of course you're listening to us on this podcast now we would love it if you to hit the subscribe button on your favorite podcast streaming service to get all of our latest podcasts in your earlobes as soon as they drop we'll be back 
on Sunday evening to talk about the events of the Spanish Grand Prix. And then we'll be back on Tuesday next week also for our midweek catch-up. So don't miss out. Thanks again to Coops and Oscar. Thanks for coming to chat to us today. Thank you. Cheers, guys. It's totally been a pleasure as always. Yeah, and thank you again to our sponsor, theraceworks.com. And if you want to go and get 10% off any of your merchandise, you can do so We're using the code EF1 at checkout. And they've got all loads of sale items on as well. So you can get an additional 10% that you will not get on any other website. So that's it from me, James Tiller. That's me from Everything F1. We'll see you after the Spanish Grand Prix. Bye-bye. Bye.